0: A fast overview of 20 and all of 21 tonight, God willing. So the first one is is sequencing. Uh, She said that she wound up kind of confused as to the sequence of things. So we have, again, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. We have seven trumpets, seven, uh, I'm sorry, seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bulls of wrath. And it's my belief that those are sequential. And the seven seals are the authentication of the king, where he has got the record copy of the deed to the earth up in heaven, and he opens up the seals and he says, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. And at the end of the seventh seal, he is authenticated that he is, in fact, the king of kings, the lord of lords, and he is the one that is authorized to run the place. Following that, and then you've got you know, interludes, and I'm not talking about the interludes. Then from, the, from there you go to seven trumpets, and the seven trumpets are the announcement of the coming of the king. In other words, the king's arrival is preceded by trumpets. And at the seventh trumpet, the last trumpet, is when the, the first resurrection occurs. Okay? And Paul says that in, I want to say Corinthians, but I don't remember, Thessalonians, Corinthians. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, at the, at the last trumpet is the first resurrection. And those who are in Christ who have not yet died are caught up to meet him at that point. And he comes down, and at that point he assumes kingship over the earth, and he starts taking vengeance on his enemies. Yeah, that that's what the Sunday church would call the rapture. and And it's my belief and understanding based on Paul and everything else, that that occurs at the seventh trumpet. And so at that point, he's on the ground. His people have been caught up to meet him. Uh, the dead in him have been raised, and he proceeds to run the place. And in that process, he then takes vengeance on his enemies. And that's the seventh seven bowls of wrath. Okay? And... At the end of a thousand years, Satan is released, and we talked about all that last time, but at the end of a thousand years, Satan is released, and he rallies the nations against him, and the nations come against him, and, and at that particular battle, as I read the scripture, he doesn't even bother to mount up his army. He just destroys them uh, with the word out of his mouth. And so that's the end of the thousand years, and then in Revelation 20 you have the various judgments that are taking place and specifically the great white throne judgment and one of the things that happens there is the book of life is opened and it's there's two sets of books. There's the book of life and then there's every other book. And the other books are the recordings of the deeds of everybody. And so everybody stands before the great white throne and is judged according to his deeds. And whether or not he is written in the book of life determines whether he goes on, I believe. Okay? And, and what isn't clear is whether you can get written in the book of life during that judgment or not. I just don't know the answer to that. Um, because remember, at that judgment, sin is taken care of. Because sin got taken care of at the cross. So everybody stands before him with his sins potentially covered by the blood. And it is my perspective, and this is just me, if you don't like it, you don't have to buy it at all, that the whole reason for judgment at that point, in other words, if at that point nobody's going to make it, there isn't any reason to do judgment. You don't need to mount up a court and and go through all of this stuff if nobody who's standing there is going to make it. It's a waste of bandwidth. So my assumption is there are going to be some people who are going to be written into the Book of Life at that point, but you know that's his call, not mine. He gets to decide that. I don't. Uh, and if he decides to do something else, I will salute and say, yes, sir. Um, so anyway, what I want to talk about for a few minutes is the Book of Life. Um, the Book of Life is shows up in scripture one place outside of revelation. Okay? So the book of life is essentially a revelation construct. And the other place it shows up is in Philemon or, or sorry, not Philemon, Philippians 4, 3, where Paul just, oh by the way, says greetings to all you who are written in the book of life. And you know, just it it sort of dropped there without any explanation or uh Whatever. So, what I want to do is look at just very briefly the criteria in Scripture that seem to indicate that one gets written into the book of life. Okay? And all of those are in Revelation, except perhaps Daniel. Okay, remember we did, and again, I'm not going to go back to Daniel 12. But basically, Daniel says at the end, books are going to be opened, everybody's going to be judged, and, and, and so forth. So, the place where it's mentioned in Revelation is in Revelation 3, and it's in uh, verse uh, 5. And this is uh, in reference to the church at Sardis. And so, to the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. You as has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right. So that doesn't say anything about how one got written in. It simply says, assumes that you're in there and you don't get blotted out. So what I want to do is do a quick waltz through the seven, church, seven churches, and I think we're going to see in the seven, seven churches what the criteria are. Okay. So as we... I'm right. So let's go back to um, Ephesus which is in Revelation 2 and in verse 7 he who has an ear let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches to the one who conquers I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God now you all have read ahead in Revelation where do we see the tree of life again new heaven and the new earth okay so in order to to eat of the tree of life you have to have made it to the new heaven and the new earth. And those who make it to the new heaven and the new earth are the ones who are written down in the book of life. Again, am I saying all that so it makes sense? So what was Ephesus's problem? Do you remember right offhand? hand? Torah terrorists. terrorists, basically. They, they were very, very big on doctrine but they'd lost the love of God. Okay. They had lost their espousal, if you will. They, they, they no longer had a relationship with God. They knew the doctrine. Uh, they knew how things were supposed to be. And they were very good at picking out errors in doctrine, but they had lost their love, their relationship. Sure. Uh, sir, I don't know whether you would say the letter but not the spirit, which would be sort of a Torah terrorist kind of a thing, so much as they simply lost track of who they were serving. You know, they were, they were so deep in study and, and paying attention. and I guess another way to describe it is they would have been Christian Pharisees. Um, there wasn't a lot of love in them. All right, so Smyrna, uh, verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Okay, well, where's the second death? Right. That's after the Great White Throne Judgment. Those who don't make it past the Great White Throne Judgment are those that are taken by the Second Death. And the ones who have part in the First Resurrection, the Second Death has no power over them. And to the ones who conquer in Smyrna, they also will not partake of the Second Death. Now, what was going on in Smyrna? The Church and the Persecution. Yeah. This is one of the churches that nothing negative is said about. These guys are just, they're uh, being persecuted, and basically their job is to hang on. Okay? They're, they're, nothing more is required of them than just hang on. Verse 17, church of Pergamum. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. This is perhaps a little more ambiguous. We talked about the white stone a couple times ago. What's the white stone mean? Whoever has the power to name you has power over you. So we remember in Genesis when Adam was given dominion over the place, the first thing he started doing was going around and naming stuff as an exercise of his dominion. So if no one on earth has given you a name, no one on earth has dominion over you. So the name given directly by God on a white stone indicating approval indicates that no one has dominion over you. This isn't directly in the uh, book of life, but we notice that Yeshua, when he comes back, has got a name that no one knows but him. Okay, so I'm inferring there that the churches at Perg- that those who overcome at Pergamum also make it through. Yeah, yeah. It, white indicates approval, or you know, if you're if you're voting, you got a black stone and a white stone. Yes is white, black is no. Uh, all sorts of metaphors for white stones, both in uh, secular literature and in, in Scripture and so what this indicates is approval. Alright, what was the problem at Pergamon? Mixed marriage. Mixed marriage. Mixed marriage between the things of God and the things of the world and specifically the teaching of Balaam, which is sexual immorality with the purpose of? nope, something besides just good old-fashioned fun. Sexual immorality with a purpose. What is the purpose? Huh? Idolatry. idolatry. In other words, Balaam's sin is he ta- taught Moab how to use sexual immorality to draw the children of Israel into idolatry and away from God. Okay? So this isn't just common garden variety, old you know fooling around. This is sexual immorality with an idolatrous purpose. 26. So I'm in verse 26, the church at Thyatira. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as an earthen pot, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Rule them with a rod of iron. When does that happen? Yes, second coming. And that is after the resurrection and that is after the rapture. So the people here who are given authority to rule the nations with a rod of iron are those who take part in the first resurrection or who are caught up with him at his return. Okay. So again, on them, the second death has no um, power and we can assume that they are written in the Book of Life. So what's the problem at Thyatira? Teaching of Jezebel. Jezebel. So basically a continuation and intensification of what was going on at uh, Pergamum. This is the what I would call the state church because remember we talked about Babylon and and the thing going on in the world is you have the worship of the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and everything else and everything else needs spiritual underpinnings to make it work. So what you then have is an apostate religious system, whether it's pagan worship, corrupt church worship, uh, you know, worship of the planet, you know, the, the greens, you know, the watermelons, the green on the outside, and red on the inside. Uh, doesn't matter what you call it, but there has to be a spiritual underpinning in order to get people to go along with secular power. And so what the Thyatira does is basically prostitutes the Church of God to secular power. Okay, then we have Sardis, uh, which we started off. With, the one who I'm in mean, three five, the one who conquers will be clothed in white thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. So, what was Sardis's problem? They think they're alive, but they aren't. They're they're going they're playing church, but there isn't anybody home. Then we have verse 12, Philadelphia. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God, the name of, my, the, name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down from my God on heaven and my own new name. So at this point, his name which no one knows will be revealed. Okay, remember when he, when he comes back on his white horse, he's got a name that no one knows. And so he is now going to reveal that name by writing it on those who conquer from the church at Philadelphia. Okay, What was Philadelphia problem? I know your work verse eight, I know your works, behold, I set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not defiled my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you, because you have kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole earth, to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him so... There are obviously problems in the Church of Philadelphia. I personally think it's smugness, which is to say, my, aren't we godly? And don't we just love everybody? And then finally we have Laodicea, and that's in verse 21. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So again, where's his throne? During the thousand-year reign, it's on earth. Okay. So again, people who conquer there have got to have made it either through the rapture or the resurrection. And what's Laodicea's problem? That's the final state of hypocrisy. The but- lukewarm. Yeah, lukewarm. Okay, so what I'm suggesting to you that's just sort of a fast rundown on the tree of life and how you get there or book of life I'm sorry not the tree of life A couple of other things about the book of life if you go to Revelation um, 13 and I will pick it up in verse 5 and the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months it opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them, and authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all those who dwell on the earth will worship it. Every one whose name is not has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. So... Who are those whose names have not been written on the book, in the Book of Life and will not be written in the Book of Life? Earth dwellers. Remember? Earth dwellers go through this whole book. And the earth dwellers are, is, a, is a phrase that's used in this book in contradistinction to the people of God. And so what is the difference between an earth dweller and someone who is one of God's? I mean, we all walk around with skin on, you walk down the street and you see a crowd and you can't hardly tell just by looking at them, what's the difference? We talked a while back, um, the word evil, raw, in Hebrew, has got a connotation of impermanence. Okay, So, people who dwell on the earth attach themselves to the things that are not permanent which is to say that the things that are important to them are wealth, power, other people. Uh, lots of things, but they attach themselves and they stay themselves to the impermanent instead of to the eternal. Okay? And those who stay themselves on the eternal are the people of God. The, the, again, the point is, evil is not necessarily doing things that we think are wicked. Okay, there's another word for that, and it's wicked. Okay, so lying, cheating, stealing, murdering, you know, all those kinds of things are wicked behaviors. That's not the same as evil. Evil is, where's your stay? Where's your focus? What do you, what do you want? And if you want the thing that's eternal, then you're not evil, even though you may do occasionally wicked things. Everything else here on this earth, which you also may hope for, and you also may have faith in, is passing away. And it's sort of like a train going by. If you don't grab onto the train, you don't go. Uh, it's the same thing here. You have to grab onto God, otherwise when the rug gets pulled out from under you, you've got nothing. And as I say, evil people are not necessarily wicked. Okay? They, they may in fact be perfectly well-behaved and quite charming, but if they're not stayed on God, when the, this all gets folded up and put away, they're going with it as opposed to going on. So anyway, what I'm suggesting to you is that those who dwell on the earth or the earth dwellers are not going to be written in the Book of Life and have not been written in the Book of Life and the reason for that is because their focus is on the things of the earth. All right, let's go on to 21 because there's some other points I want to make on that. So anyway, that's the book of life in 25 words or less. And um, the sequence of the time of the end as I understand it. And if you have a different understanding, God bless you. And when it all comes down, we'll sort it out then, or he'll sort it out. So now we're in uh, verse 20 or chapter 21. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Okay, couple lots of stuff going on here. First off, you asked, I was listening to the last tape of this I did and Chris asked a question and I think I actually have the answer now. I didn't have it then. Um, so the, the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And remember back up at the beginning of 20, earth and sky had fled away and I lose track of which time I've done this, but somebody said the reason that they fled away at the judgment is what? Because they're defiled, okay? The earth is soaked with blood, soaked with blood, and one of the reasons it has to be reformed is it is fouled, okay? And so as as he's sitting there at the great white throne judging, it's sort of like a dirty diaper that needs to be gotten rid of. And the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Now why does the sea being no more have significance there? Because Yes, yes, very good. Good kid. Yep, gold star. probably told her Okay. Yes, remember in Genesis 1. Okay, let me go there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Okay, all that's gone. This new one is a new creation. And I all right. So now we have the bride. And who is the bride? Revelation. Yeah, the New Jerusalem is the bride. And as I've said before. I would certainly accept that Jerusalem is um, symbolic of the nation Israel. You know, like Washington is symbolic of the nation United States. Brussels is symbolic of Belgium. Paris is symbolic. You know, when you say Moscow says, you're really talking about the Russian government. So I could see an argument here that Jerusalem is Israel in that same in that same fashion. But one way or the other, it's either Israel or it's Jerusalem or both, but it ain't the nations. Okay? It's not the church, whatever the church means. Okay? It's Israel or Jerusalem. And behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Okay. This this at the end of the book is the culmination of the purpose of the entire creation and of the entire story of the Bible. What God wants is people to dwell with, and what you have is the story of God creating people and working with them over millennia, and at every turn people shove God away. So Adam and Eve by disobedience shoved God away. They said, we aren't going to obey you. You gave us dominion over this place, and we are not going to do what you said. And of course, once they discovered the consequences, they were heartily sorry, but it's too late. Israel, when they're finally gathered together, God tries to have a wedding at Sinai, and the entire nation is standing at the foot of the mountain, and it's the consummation of a marriage, or it's intended to be. And in the constipation of a marriage, seed passes from the husband to the wife. And the seed is the word of God. And what God is trying to do is put his seed into his bride, speak his word into their hearts, and the bride said, No, we can't can't do this. If he talks to us anymore, we're going to die. Moses, you go talk to him and tell us what he said. And so then you get tablets of stone as a permanent reminder that you have hearts of stone. Okay, Then we have the Messiah himself comes, and he comes to his people, and he tries to lead sinners. His message is repent, return to God, and they crucify him. Okay? So over and over and over again, God has done what is possible to be done in every circumstance so that he can dwell with us. And at every circumstance, in every turn, we've pushed him away. And now, at the end, when all those who would push him away are now gone, the only ones left are those who do not push him away. Okay. Those are the ones that make it through the first resurrection. Those are the ones who make it through the great white throne judgment are those who will turn to God and say, I love you, I want you, I want to be with you, And those are the ones that make it into the New Jerusalem because those are the ones that he can give hearts of flesh to and those are the ones he can dwell with. And that's been the goal all along. And this creation, this heaven and earth that we are used to, is nothing but a great big sorter. Okay, And it's a a machine that sorts sheep from goats, uh, believers from sinners, however you want to call it, but it is the place where we sort ourselves either into or out of the kingdom of God. Okay, And what Revelation is, is the final shakeout of that sorting process. And what we have here in, in Revelation 21, when you have the new creation, the new heaven and the new earth, and you have the presence of God with men, is you have the cream that rose to the top, if you will, and those are the ones that he is then taking on, because those are the ones who love it. And I think I'm all the way down to verse 5. Revelation 21, 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have his heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Okay? So again, one of the things that, since you're in Hebrews, one of the things that Hebrews talks over and over and over again about is the purpose of the incarnation, death, and resurrection of the Messiah is to give us all the power to become sons of God. That's what Hebrews is talking about. And what this says is, verse 7, he, the one who conquers, remember we talked about all those who conquered, the one who conquers will, be, will have his heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Okay, And notice that's different than up in verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. Okay? So you have people of God and sons of God, which are not necessarily the same thing. Okay? We're the people of God. Who are the chosen people. Israel. Right? The rest of us get to be if we're not Israel, get to be sons of God, which is also a good deal. <laughs> okay, yeah? Also, uh, terminology is grafted in. Yeah. Grafted in means that you choose to join Israel. The letter to Romans is written to a mixed synagogue. And so the people in that synagogue, are the proselytes, are in the process of being grafted in. Okay. There are going to be, as we'll see later on as we get farther down in Revelation, there are going to be, the nations are still going to be there in the new heaven and the new earth. Okay. Made it past the lake of fire, they're in the new heaven and the earth, new earth, they're sons of God, but they are not Israel. Okay. It, which isn't to say that anybody can't be grafted into Israel if he wants to be. It's very easy to join Israel. But you don't have to join Israel to get into the new heaven and the new earth. Where am I here? Uh, maybe verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who had had, try again, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the last, well, I'm having trouble reading, sorry about that. And at the gates, the names, and try again. And on the gates, the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the eastern three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Okay. So what I'm suggesting to you is that's the wife. Okay. Verse 15. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width, and he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. And that's about uh, 1,380 miles. Its length and width and height were equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by 100 human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. So, if you ever need to measure up an angel, now you know how. Right? <laughs> angel cubits are the same as people cubits. Right? Well, just, just, just letting you know. Okay? Yeah? Um, 18. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, clear as glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophase, the eleventh yachint, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. In, in the way I've described this in the past, uh, which makes a lot of sense to me, doesn't mean it's right. It just makes sense. You have in the nation Israel as they're traveling in the wilderness. You have in the middle of it the Mishkan, the Tabernacle. Okay, around the Tabernacle you have Levites. And Levites are the ones who minister to the tabernacle and who go in and out of the tabernacle and so forth. And, and you don't go into the tabernacle without dealing with Levites. Outside of the T- Levites, then you have the 12 tribes, or 11 minus Levite. Um, so if you look at the new heaven and the new earth, I'm going to take that model and pop it up a level. And so in the new Jerusalem, you now have Israel, who are analogous to Levi. And then around the New Jerusalem, you have the nations who would be analogous to the 12 tribes. So what I'm saying is is the, the camp in the wilderness is a model of what the new heaven and the new Earth is going to be like. So there are going to be people in the new heaven and the new Earth who are not God's chosen people. They are not kingdom of priests. They are not Israelites. They're in the new heaven and the new Earth. they're, you know, they're there. They have an inheritance. Which is land, okay? Um, nothing inferior about them, except that they aren't the ones that took all the junk for four thousand years and carried the you know did all that stuff. So Israel has a special place in the New Jerusalem that the nations don't have. Just as the Levites, by virtue of what they did at the sin of the golden calf, have a special place in God's economy in the nation of Israel. Okay? Now, one of the things, thank you. Well, this just went through my mind. One of the things that remember I, I went on this riff a few minutes ago about God's desiring to dwell with his people. Okay? The other thing that's going on, and I, we've talked about this before: the Mishkan, the temple, Yeshua, the Holy Spirit are all ways that God has devised that He can live with His people without destroying them. Okay? So what the Mishkan represents is you have the you have very presence of God in the middle of the camp, and you have basically what amounts to shielding, like you're carrying a nuclear reactor around with you because you have all the power that created the universe right there in the middle of your little town, in the middle of your camp, and only special technicians who are specially trained and know special procedures are allowed to go in to that place because it is dangerous. And so what the Mishkan is and the tabernacle is is a buffer that basically keeps a holy God from destroying a sinful people but still allowing him to live in their midst which is what he wants to do. Okay? And that's why you have specialists, the Levites, who control access to the place and have special training on how to deal with that much power. Okay? Then you go to Yeshua who is one of us. Okay? And Yeshua is able to live with us because he's one of us. And then he dies and is raised from the dead and sin is taken care of and then the Holy Spirit can live with us. Because the sin question is now dealt with. Okay? So all of these are mechanisms that God has set up throughout history to approximate what he actually wants to do in the new heaven and the new earth, which is be in the middle of the new Jerusalem and light the place up like a... uh, and have his people living there around it. Okay, Does that make sense? So I'm basically in verse 26 I think. They, the nations, will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, I the grammar there makes me wonder. One of the things that the rabbis say, and I think they're right, doesn't mean they're right, just what they say, and I think they're right, is that when we get to this point in the history, we will no longer have free will, because free will will have served its purpose. Okay and the purpose of free will is to manufacture respect for God. Okay? In other words without us there can be no one to love and respect God and so what God does is gives us free will so that we may choose whether or not to do it. Well once you're here in the New Jerusalem you've made that choice And the rabbis say that free will no longer has a purpose, so you don't have it anymore. But in verse 27, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And the way that is written, it makes me wonder if the nations still have free will at that point. I just don't know. Not in the New Jerusalem. No. Yeah, and what I'm saying is the way it's written here, my inference is everybody who's there has made it past the Lake of Fire. But then we're talking about people entering who are not written in the Book of Life. But wait a minute, how can they be there if they're not written in the Book of Life? Unless the nations still have free will and there are still people being born. I am going to try and rip through Revelation 22 here, and we'll start the new year with a new book. Does anybody mind perhaps staying a minute late? Okay. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. They will reign forever and ever. Okay, first off, the tree of life. Uh, There are those who say that in the garden had anybody eaten, had they eaten of the tree of life before they ate of the knowledge, ate of the tree of knowledge, they wouldn't have died? I don't believe that sound. I believe that the tree of, notice it's 12 kinds of fruit. I believe that the tree of life is something that as long as you eat of it, you live, but if you stop eating of it, you eventually die. Okay? In other words, it is not just a one-time thing. You eat of this tree and you got eternal life. It is a life sustainer, because you've got these 12 trees of life and yield their fruit in season each month. So that indicates to me that eating of the tree of life is something that you do on an ongoing basis, okay? And as long as you have access to the tree of life, you have life. But if your access to the tree of life is cut off, you then run down and die, which is what happened to Adam, okay? So again, you'll have teachers that will go through these logic games. Well, you know, what if he'd eaten of the tree of life first, and then the tree of knowledge, it just would have messed. And I don't think that's correct at all. I think that it's the tree of life was withdrawn. Verse six. And he said to me, "These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent His angel to show His servants what's which." show his servants what must soon take place and behold I am coming soon blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book I John am the one who heard and saw these things and when I heard and saw them I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me but he said to me you must not do that I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers the prophets and with those who keep the words of this book worship God we went through that the last time he tried to do that. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Now you remember that Daniel was instructed to seal up his book. Okay, So Daniel is sealed, this is unsealed. Verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done i am the alpha and the, and the omega the first and the last the beginning of the end the beginning and the end so again notice that everywhere in here it's what you do that determines what you get okay hebrew is an action language it's what you do not what you think that's important now don't get me wrong bad thinking leads to bad doing so <laughs> you know. Don't do no bad thinking out there, folks, because it leads to bad doing, and that's what gets God upset with you. Okay? Um, Fourteen. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, and the sexually immoral, and murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. And again... Falsehood is something that's not permanent. Okay. 16. I, Yeshua, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. And notice, the Spirit and the Bride. So where are they calling you to? Where are they calling you to? The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Or to the New Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, the Bride, who is Jerusalem, says, Come. So the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. 18. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Yeshua. The grace of the Lord Yeshua be with all. Amen. So. Again, to recap, it's my perspective that this book, as it says, is not intended to be sealed, it's not intended to be difficult, it's not intended to be mysterious. It's intended to be straightforward, understandable by people who are biblically literate, and it's intended to provide a plan and a basis for action as you see the things happening that are written in this book please consider becoming a sponsor. Please visit crimsonthread.com purpose for an explanation of what we're doing and perhaps to become a sponsor. Thank you.